0: Welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show for the weekend of April 17th through 19th, 2020. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. So it's another slow week of news of the box office. Warner Brothers still has not yet moved Tenet out of July or Godzilla vs. Kong out of November with all the movies moving into that time period, but I'm pretty sure it should be any day now, or for their sake, I hope it is. Um, There are some movies for 2021 that that moved around, but uh, nothing too drastic. I'm not going to talk about it in depth here. Um, Following up to last week's news about Trolls World Tour going straight to VOD, uh, seems that the number looks to be about 50 million for this first weekend. Probably US-only numbers, though I can't be sure for certain um but that doesn't seem too bad um i think by the end of it maybe like a hundred million dollars uh in u.s domestic vod so uh could be better could be a little bit worse um so yeah that's that news um oh also in similar streaming news parasite came in came to hulu um on april 8th and according to *IndieWire*, amazon uh, hulu is reporting that it is the most streamed independent or foreign language film of all titles available on hulu and also the second most watched movie overall on Hulu, um, even among all the other titles currently available to stream that have been out for months. Um, so good job to Parasites*. Um, I'm curious what the first most watched movie is, but yeah, good job to Bong Joon-ho and all of the team uh, over at Neon for, for their win with Parasite. So given that there's not a of, lot of news, I did find a topic I could work with, though, for the box office watch, box office concept. Um, I was watching YouTube videos this weekend, and Nerdstalgic uh, put out a video about how the Transformers films are basically the longest commercials ever. Uh, I'll put the link to that video in the show notes. Uh, but the premise comes from the fact that uh, over the four Michael Bay-led video, uh, films, um, over 220 brands were represented. Um, that works out... Uh, to some films having a product placement frequency of as high as uh, 220, uh, as 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 frequently as one brand placement every two minutes in the film, uh, and he focused really on this one specific Budweiser placement that just really ruined the immersion of the film. Um, and there definitely is merit to nerdstalgic's assertions of how poorly done product placement can ruin the immersion of films. Uh, but for the purposes of this podcast, I'm more interested in digging to exactly the extent to which uh, and 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 the prevalence of product placements and how it impacts uh, the bottom dollar for a film. One note though before we leave the Nord film I find it kind of funny that the film that was based on a toy meant to basically set, made, 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 based on a TV series meant to sell a plastic toy uh, ended up becoming kind of the poster child for all this product placement uh, that he bought up but anyway moving on so you know before we go on just to clarify i'm going to call product placement as any time when the brand or product appear in the film in some capacity uh, ranging from having a background logo in a shot to actually affecting the plot and being used specifically by the actors um, In in all senses, basically, is the form of of advertisement. Um, This is not the so called Doritos factor, uh, which is about more like licensing product deals. um, For you know, uh, when a when a brand licenses the images of their actors to Doritos to sell a film, uh, to sell their chips, um, that you know they they don't get a cut of every Dorito bag; they get like a flat fee. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about here. Um, That's like separate licensing fee. Licensing, marketing deals that the that the distribution team comes up with. Anyway, going back to product placement, uh, digging around online, I found that you know product placement has been in movies as long as movies have been a form of mass market entertainment. Uh, going back to nineteen twenties, there was a silent film called The Garage, uh, featuring Fatty Arbuckle and Buster Keaton, that prominently featured. Firestone Tires, and Red Crown Gasoline. It's not confirmed if that was actually product placement, as in they were being paid to promote those products, Um, but nevertheless those bands still appear in the film. Uh, more prominently was the 1927 film that won Best Picture at the Oscars, actually. It's a World War I film known as Wings. That's a rom-com action war film. Um, and in the movie, one of the actors eats some Hershey's chocolate uh, before tossing the wrapper onto the bed, and it follows the very awkward lingering close-up shot of the wrapper. Um, so that's kind of acknowledged as kind of the very first definite case of product placement uh, showing up in the film. Uh, in the more recent and probably the premier example, and kind of what kicked the whole product placement thing into really high gear for Hollywood, uh, is the Steven Spielberg classic ET. Um, in that movie, the titular extraterrestrial alien uh, is lured into his human home uh, with the help of Reese's Pieces chocolate. So originally in the script, this was supposed to be M and M's, uh, but the Mars company chose not to allow the candy to be featured in the film. Uh, instead, they ended up Universal ended up going to Hershey's company, and you know without even letting them see what ET looked like, um, they ended up making a deal with them. uh, And they, in return for uh, Hershey's paying a million dollars, which I think is about $3 million in today's money, um, in helping them in marketing costs and paying for advertisement, Universal gave Hershey's exclusive right to use E.T. to market their candy. Um, And this worked really well. In the first two weeks um, after the film went up, the sales of Hershey of Reese's Pieces went up sixty five percent, and so you know that's an amazing case, and that that, that definitely what got people uh, hopping on there. Apparently, movie uh, companies started uh, production companies started coming out with rate cards um, that uh, you know brands could come out with to um, get a, buy a spot into their into their films, um, and obviously you've done right you know. Uh, product placement can have a huge impact uh, beyond the Reese's Pieces example. Um, in Toy Story, um, you have the Etch-a-Sketch, the Slinky, and Potato Head are featured toys. Um, you know, I think Mr. Potato Head saw a lo- lift of eight hundred percent, and Etch-a-Sketch saw a lift of four thousand five hundred percent. And Slinky had actually been out of businesses, out of production, and they started up production again of the toys because of Toy Story. Um, Tom Cruise helped save the Ray-Bans Wayfarers line of sunglasses. Uh, he wore them in risky business, and then later Top Gun. Um, the annual sales for Wayfarers was only eighteen thousand units, but a year or two later, it was already three hundred and sixty thousand. Uh, that's over twenty times increase, and then four million six years later. Um, and you know, beyond actually impacting sales directly, there's still something to be said about the subliminal brand marketing that you know, seeing specific brands appear in movies. Um, as an extreme example, Google didn't pay a dime for the 2013 comedy the internship um, starring Owen Wilson uh, but obviously their products and their campus and even you know uh, their CEO sewed up in a cameo role in the film as a way to promote their ideology of their you know no do no evil image that they wanted to promote at the time um, and when you consider that consumers are becoming more and more hostile to commercials and advertisements showing up in the, around their media. Um, think of ad blockers for display banner ads or, you know, the move towards streaming platforms that don't show ads. Or if you do watch cable TV, DVRing it so you can just skip the ads. Um, it makes perfect sense why brands would be eager to get their logos and their brands uh, in front of uh, consumers nowadays and around these sensors um but is it worth it to them and you know how much uh you know so obviously we can see the side of the brand and why they want to get on it but what's in it movies how much are they making um you know how much is it how much revenue do they generate um and the answer is it depends um as it is with most things um, films have a wide range to do product placements as he mentioned before um, the simple ones are having billboard or logo showing up in the background of a shot um, more involved are those where the product interacts with the product directly think of a specific phone or a laptop brand being used um, i remember when the amazing spider-man came out everyone was making fun of peter parker for using bing uh, which was changed with spider-man homecoming when he switched back to using google um, side note, according to Ryan Johnson in his behind-the-scenes video with Variety for his film Knives Out, apparently Apple does not let bad guys ever use their iPhones in the movie. Uh, so a bit of a spoiler is if you're watching a film and you see someone using an iPhone or using an Android, that might give away who it is, but... Anyway, uh, even you know, even more involved brand integrations can be product placements where the product is directly involved in the script or the story of the movie in question. Uh, and these can become very iconic images. Think Wilson's uh, Volleyballs with Castaway, uh, Back to the Future having the DeLoreans, or in Jurassic Park, Barbasol Saving Cream uh, being the device used to hide the eggs um, that were going to be snuck out um enough dancing on the answer there are some numbers i could find uh, these aren't um you know for every movie, you're not going to see exactly how much every movie made, um, but in general, the industry for total product placement in 2018 was 10 billion dollars, um, and that's been going really fast. Some numbers I saw from 2010 was something like four ish million, so it's grown a lot uh, in, in in past couple of years. Um, most of that was television and online media that made about six billion. Uh, movies was number two. Movies made about a total of one billion total uh, in product placement. Uh, for context, the entire, I'm guessing this is Hollywood, um, the entire budget of Avengers Endgame was $360 million. so this is just under three Avengers Endgame's worth of budget. Um, or, you know, more cleanly, uh, Lion King, the mo- most recent Lion King was $250 million total budget, so you can make four Lion Kings on all of the product placement done in the industry. Um, back in the 80s, Disney would charge somewhere between twenty and $50,000 in a spot in one of the movies. Um, and then, uh, in a pretty crazy example, the Smurfs 2 sequel apparently sold $150 million worth of product placements on a $110 million production budget. So, they somehow profited $40 million. Um, again, there's still advertising costs, which I'm sure some of that product placement went to, but that's still pretty impressive. Um Perhaps the king of brand placements and product placements isn't really Michael Bay. I would say it's probably James Bond. Um, well, I couldn't find any firm numbers, um, you know, for how much money Transformers product placements made them, including even stuff like GM and various cars showing up to other films. Not to mention the other two hundred plus brands. Uh, pretty much every Bond film has featured some product placements, uh, with relations with some going back to the very beginning. Um, so you know, in the 1999 film, uh, the world is not enough. It made 100 million dollars in product placements. It's no Smurfs too, um, but you know the budget was 135 million. Um, you know, BMW play, paid uh, $3 million uh, to replace the classic Aston Martin car for uh, three films. Um, and that led to an increase in sales of $240 million. Uh, so, 80 fold uh, return on investment. Um, and in Skyfall, uh, Heineken paid $45 million for Bond to drink a beer instead of his second not third martini. Um, this isn't the first time, though. Uh, Bond actually had Red Stripe uh, beer back in the sixties instead of his Martini, um, and not to mention you know this all his other stuff: his suits, his luggage, his watch, which is Omega, his alcohol, other alcohol, you know, Bollinger, uh, champagne. These are all product placements that have strong relationships with with the Bond franchise. I mean in many cases, it's not just in the film, uh, but also commercials outside. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, of course. Not all product placements are paid for. Um, FedEx, for example, didn't pay anything for the placement in the Tom Hanks film Castaway, um, and neither did the hamburger joint White Castle in the film Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, though both did help. Uh, promote their respective films, and they did also have oversight on how the band was being portrayed during filming. Uh, for example, White Castle uh, didn't let them show a closed White Castle um, at, at, at some point in the film during production. Uh, sometimes um, services are traded. Um, a UPS film truck appears in a shot in Africa in the 1997 film George in the Jungle. Interestingly enough, it's in a shot where he's there's also product placement for the new Nike Airs. Um, Anyway, UPS uh, helped with transporting an elephant to Hawaii for the film's production. Um, another example is, going back to Top Gun, um, the Navy helped provide consulting and some jets for production. Um, and you know as a result, they saw a 500% increase in signing up new recruits that summer. Um, and so, As I alluded to earlier, the most intense partnerships are not only the brands going into the world of the movies um, themselves, but also the characters from the movies hopping into commercials to promote the brands. Uh, we talked about Bond and Heineken. Um, there's a lot of people making fun of Bond going into Heineken commercials when that film came out. Um, or, you know, E.T. and Reese promoting Reese's Pieces. Uh, but the biggest one I can think of, actually, in recent years is Batman versus Superman having a brand integration with Turkish Airlines. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor and Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne pitched to, to, you know, viewers of an ad um, that they could fly Turkish Airlines to Metropolis or Gotham, you know, Turkish Airlines, they had a whole thing, you could go on their website and book a flight uh, to Metropolis or Gotham, and, you know, this these ads were shown at the Super Bowl, which you know don't come cheap, uh, so props to Turkish Airlines were pulling that off, even though, you know, uh, Batman vs Superman didn't turn out that great box office-wise, um, it's apparently made, you know, a huge impact on, on them and, and their brand awareness. Um, anyway, if this topic interests you, there's apparently an industry awards for a brand placement uh, known as the brand cameo awards. Uh, unfortunately, it seems they were discontinued after 2016. Uh, but from that year, you know, just going over some of the winners from that year, uh, Mercedes-Benz apparently appeared in nine of the top 31 films. Um, Apple is noted as being a perennial top chart topper. Um, from 2001 to 2011, they'd shown up in 30%. Uh, of top films um, in the in that year, Fast and Furious movies got uh, recognition for innovating forty-eight brands in their films, uh, including various car companies as well as Corona beer. A pretty uh, unfortunate uh, product placement there. Maybe that's partly partly why uh, the Fast and Furious. Uh, Fast and Furious Nine moved back a year. Um, I wonder if that brand promotion will continue on next year. Anyway, uh, The Martian was noted as being an Oscar-nominated film that had a product placement in the Chinese phone company Vivo. Um, Baskin Robbins got a nod for their place placement in uh, the Ant Man movie. Um, The Cafe Bene, which is a Korean um, like kind of like a Korean coffee shop, bake shop, appeared in some TV shows, and that saw a huge rise in uh, the in uh, in, like some 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 drama. Asian drama that saw a lot of uh, increase in their sales in uh, China. Uh, And Pepsi got the Lifetime Award for Product Placement. So, anyway, if you're interested, I'll link to this uh, 2016 Brand Cameo Awards in the show notes. Um, And finally, there's also a documentary uh, about all this called The Greatest Movie Ever Sold. Or, more precisely, it's Tom Wonderful presents the greatest movie ever sold. Um, so you know how that movie goes. Um, I'll probably watch. I haven't seen it myself, to be honest, but I'll probably check it out this weekend because this actually seems pretty fascinating. World, um, especially for anyone interested in box office. Um, and and with that, with that, that brings us to the end of this box office concept. Um, as usual, there's no top five for films this week or upcoming releases. Uh, but what I have been watching. So I, as I mentioned before, I have a podcast called Filmography in Focus where. I watch all the films of uh, one director and talk about them in retrospective. Uh, I started up uh, my David Fincher watch. Uh, so I started out with his 1999 film, Seven, uh, with Brad Pint and Morgan Freeman. Uh, definitely a great film. Uh, I really enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of his work. I uh, still haven't seen Fight Club, funnily enough, so um, we'll, we'll go that. Uh, maybe I'll be keeping an eye out for the product placement uh, that we see in those films. Um, in any case, that wraps up, wraps up this week's Watts. If you have any feedback or suggestions for box office concepts to cover, uh, shoot me an email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at bowattspodcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play as well. Uh, if you could leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on Podchaser, that would be super great. Um, I'll include links for those in the show notes. Uh, numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Our outro and intro music come from Kevin MacLeod. Uh, find his stuff at Incom Tech.filmusic.io, editing and production provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. Remember, our watch goes on. Bye, guys.